This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Hey, welcome back to all of our listeners. This is a very special bonus podcast session, and you're going to be glad that you've joined us, Leslie Bennett, and I are here with our good friend, Katie Cole. Katie's been with us before. She's a leadership consultant and leadership coach, and you can find out more about her at katiecole.com. She also has a new book coming out, and we want to be sure to mention that. And then Katie is going to be talking about on this episode how to build momentum for Christmas, which is such a vital, vital time for all of our ministries. Before we get to that, Katie, talk to our listeners a little bit about your book. Oh, sure. Thank you. And thanks for having me here. It's always great to be back. The book is called Developing Female Leaders, and I wrote it for church leaders that I've been working with that were really trying to leverage in a better way the female leaders in their congregation. So it's really written from a perspective that regardless of your theological position on what women can and can't do, we all have great female leaders in our congregations that we need to maximize the gifts that God's given them wherever that's deployed. And this has eight best practices of what churches can do to help make that better for them and better for the female leaders they're trying to lead. So it's been exciting. I've gotten great responses so far from the content. It's up on Amazon so people can pre-order, which apparently in the publishing world is a really big deal now, is pre-orders. So right. if you're interested at all, do please it. buy it now. All That'd right. be great. Yeah. Thank you. I'm yeah, really I just want to affirm too. I want to affirm Katie too, because uh, Katie's spirit is so great. And we've learned so much from Katie at our church about how to empower and develop female leaders here at Family Church. And she's a she's a she and her family are members here at Family Church. They attend one of our campuses. And I just want to affirm to all of our listeners, this is a book you're going to want. This is content that's going to help you. And if some of you guys, a lot of our listeners are very conservative and you might be kind of like, "Ah, I don't know about that. I'm telling you guys, this is a book that will help you think in the right way about women in your church that are gifted, that are called, that are right there. And you need to learn from this book. So, hey, enough about that. Katie, you're going to be joining us also at Sharper Conference in March. You were there last week. Some of the sessions that you did were some of our biggest hits. And so we're really, really looking forward to that. All right. We sure are. Looking forward to having you, hopefully, at Sharper, Katie. And today, when we talk about building momentum to Christmas, this is a topic that I feel super strong about because I realized a few years ago that we don't live in the Bible Belt here in South Florida. and We don't live in a conservative place. And I, I realized a lot of people really don't make a big deal out of Easter down here in South Florida. So that might be true where our listeners live. It might not be true where they live, but we just really want to think about how we can really maximize Christmas because no matter who you are, no matter what you believe, if you're Christian, if you're Jewish, like wherever you fall, you're not religious at all. I feel like most people still celebrate Christmas. So it's a great opportunity for our churches to reach out to people. So those are the ideas that we wanted to bring to the table today. And you had some great ideas you shared with our team. So we We just want you to share them with our listeners today. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. Christmas is one of those sort of universal experiences, especially in the United States, that no matter where you live or the background you come from, you're probably buying your kids presents. School's out. School is out. It's got a natural rhythm to it. And so one of the things that I found in working with campuses is it can get a little challenging to 
sort of know how to leverage the fall to move into Christmas. Mm. Christmas is really a great rally time for a church or a campus, and we want to make sure that we not just separate our fall programming and then kind of take a break mentally and go into Christmas, and then we take a break mentally and go into spring. doesn't really work that way for people in our congregations. They're really looking at things in the whole kind of ministry or setting. And so if we sort of segment it, it kind of feels like you're on church, off church, on church, off church, instead of really building momentum and trying to build on each other. So I've got a few suggestions of ways we can do that. When I work with campus pastors particularly, or senior pastors of smaller churches, uh, there's three kind of intentional goals I always like to look at when you're talking about momentum or looking at uh, Christmas or just any way to sort of build the body up. So there's three intentional goals. The first one is really sort of building up interconnectedness in the church family. This is where attending church moves from just going to something and going home Mm -hmm. to really kind of having some stickiness. Almost there's a rubber band around you because those relationships sort of pull you back in. Someone besides a staff member notices when you're gone. It's not really about who I can see or what I can do or what I'm getting from it, but there's people there I care about. I'm in relationship with them. So we want to, what I say, move people from in-laws to family. What would you mean about that? (laughs) If you've been an in-law, you know when you're first married into a family, you know you're a part of things. You sort of are in the family picture, but you're usually on the end. You're not quite sure why we eat the food we do. You don't know how to clean up correctly. You know, you just, there's all these rules and all this sort of inside stuff that you don't really know. And at some point, hopefully, most of us have that switch where all of a sudden we go from being sort of a a guest in the family to being one of the family. And that takes time and that takes intentionality and you have to be learned and people have to include you. And so we really want to help people do that. So since I stopped working at a church full time, I feel like I've been studying what it feels like to be a new church member for the last couple of years. And that is kind of the experience. Even though I've been a believer for a long time, my family and I love church. We sort of know how it works. It's different everywhere you go. So the people who are new to your church, even if they're solid believers, are still feeling a little out. And So we want to leverage these fall experiences to really help include them in and really use Christmas for that. The second thing is to build a culture of evangelism in your church. And this is one of those things that when we don't work for evangelism and being outward focused and reminding our people that the reason we're still here, the reason we don't go to heaven when we accept Christ is we're supposed to be telling people about Jesus' love for them. If we aren't pushing people out, our natural tendency is always to turn inward. Mm -hmm. And so this is a great opportunity to really stir up that culture of evangelism remind our people that that's one of the purposes of the church is not just for us, but for the people who don't know about the Lord. You know, the fancy word now is a culture of invite, which is getting people to invite people. But really, we're talking about the fundamental culture of evangelism and and breeding that in our individual members. And then the third is to create some happy memories, especially for those who don't go to church. I think it's easy for us when we've been walking with the Lord for a while or been in church or have Christian friends, we forget how crazy life is when you're not following the Lord, how daily drama takes place, how the holidays are usually about awkward moments and fights and people leaving the dinner table early. It's not, you know, the Hallmark Channel. And so when we create an environment where someone can bring their family or include their parents or Such a great point. even just a husband, a mom and a dad and their two kids sitting together side by side for an hour and singing a Christmas carol, this might be one of the few times they do that all year long. And so mm. little kids are getting memories about what Christmas means. And if we can give them those 
those at the church, that just sets them up for a lifetime of openness to the gospel that we may never have again. So those are kind of my three intentional goals in this conversation. I think that that uh, idea of creating happy memories is something that the whole world is latching onto. Like all of these companies, Mm -hmm. restaurants, even department stores are trying to create experiences more than they are trying to just sell stuff. And I think churches really need to catch on to that. And really, it's natural because that's all we do is create experiences when you think about it. It's just we're not trying to create artificial experiences. We're trying to create experiences that represent something greater with a greater purpose, and that is eternal. And so I just think, like, like this, can you talk about some examples of things that even small and medium-sized churches could do, perhaps, to create those kinds of experiences? Yeah, I think one of the most important things is really trying to help Christmas services be Christmassy. And I remember falling into a trap when I'd been in ministry for a while, especially when I was working in worship and production. It was just easy to sort of get tired of the nativity scene. Yeah. Like, that sounds terrible, but we're like, we want to be- We do be, this every year. Yeah, we're just, and you know, you start in August. And so by the time December rolls around and then it just, you know, feels like, gosh, we keep doing it and we want something fresh. We want something that's going to be relevant. Well, when I had my son, uh, he was born in October, so I was on maternity leave for several months in the Christmas season. And I just remember how much I loved coming to church and being reminded of the nativity story. And every time I went to the stores, even though it starts, you know, in September, now, Christmas, there's still something special about just the beauty of the manger scene and about Jesus coming and being with us, that he's Emmanuel. That story really never does grow old for a believer. And so when we're on church staff, we have to remember that sometimes these little moments really go a long way and it never gets old for the people coming. And they're not doing multiple services and talking about it for months. (laughs) So uh, even having a real life nativity scene out front, it can feel cheesy, but man, if you know, if you see a little kid in a shepherd's outfit, like there's just so something so heartwarming and endearing about that, that never gets tired. It doesn't need to be professional. It doesn't need to be slick. In fact, the more you can include kids and your own families and people come and see their neighbors, you know, dressed up as Mary and Joseph, all of that goes a long way in, in that inclusiveness I so love that. and interconnectedness. Yeah. And that's where things like we talk, you know, things like that, that we, at our church, we wouldn't use on a regular basis, but that's where like, if you have people who like handbells, it's great to have a handbell choir out front. Churches of all sizes have that stuff, you know, if you can, if you got somebody in the neighborhood or the, the community who could bring a couple of sheep over and let the kids come over and kind of see the sheep and pet the wool, have a donkey ride in the front yard. I don't know what you do, but something where people can come and give them some hot apple cider and just Absolutely. Yeah, you talked about even like cookie decorating station, creating an experience, which I think is why we want to talk about this now. Because if you're going to create that experience for Christmas, you want to start thinking about that now. Yeah, not like December 21st. Right. And so it helps you plan your services, helps you structure how that's going to look. And I really like just your goals and your points that you've made so far remind me to take a look at things through fresh eyes and through those eyes of not the church eyes, but the outsider's eyes. So that's so important as we think about this conversation. How do outsiders perceive what's happening here? Exactly. And the great thing is whenever you have a bullseye like that, like we're going to gear this for someone who isn't used to church, who's longing for some happy memories, you get everybody in the bullseye or in the target. So your church members who have been here for 20 years, your empty nest couples that get to see a little kid holding a baby Jesus, like it's heartwarming for everybody. The other thing is one of the ways to think about sort of these memories is, is it something that some mom is going to put on Instagram? Yes. Because we're all documenting our kids' lives right. continually. And right. so not that we're doing it to get on Instagram, but like you're wanting to be in the snapshot. That's one of my greatest ministry mentors just said, 
as a person in ministry, you always want to make sure you're in people's family photo album. So we're at the wedding, we're at the funeral, but we're also at Christmas. We're we're watching kids grow up. We're Mm -hmm. having memories when moms and dads and kids are together and grandparents are celebrating. So those are the kind of things that we're looking for. One of my other suggestions is to think about things like a kid's choir. It feels like it's kind of out of there to what you said, Pastor Jimmy. You might not normally do this, but there's something beautiful about all the little kids dressed up in their outfits and it doesn't matter what they do. And in fact, the kid pulling his sister's hair just makes it all the more endearing. So even if it's not in your weekend service, although I really recommend that because you will have grandparents and cousins and neighbors and classmates mm-hmm. come to your church service for Christmas that might not normally come just to see little Emily and Samuel do their thing. But even before service, putting it in the lobby, helping that kind of welcome experience be different, putting it afterwards when you have hot chocolate and the cookie icing station, it gets people to linger longer. Again, you're trying to build relationships, build community, create memories. Mm-hmm. Anything like that really adds that Christmassy feel and just goes that extra mile for people. Yeah, what I love about that too for our listeners is you don't have to be a mega church to do any of this stuff, right? Cookie, I mean, a cookie decorating, my gosh, I get that at my grandmother's house and we weren't in church at all. So all you need is to take the resources you have and the people that you have in the church where you are and try try some of this stuff and see if you can make some of it work. And I think you'll you'll benefit from it. There's some other great benefits, okay, that you share with our team, really encourage our team about. Uh, one of them had to do with uh, connecting uh, new volunteers through the Christmas season. Yeah, I think Christmas is just such a, it's a big event. There's all these extra elements, especially if you plan them strategically. Mm-hmm. And so your need to have volunteers is one thing, but it's also a great opportunity to include those that are a little disconnected. So Christmas can be a great first serve opportunity for someone because it's a one-time commitment. They can be a greeter. They can help in the nursery. They can do setup. They can do teardown. They can work the cookie station. Helping people find a place to contribute and give back is such a great way to engage folks. So I recommend if you have any sort of database or a list of people who have visited your church in the last six to 12 months, if you haven't seen them lately, if you don't know them, the fall, like right now, October, November is a great time just to do that phone call and just ask them, hey, haven't seen you in a while, just want to check how you're doing, what can we pray for you, would love to see you at Christmas. And a lot of times people will sort of self-disclose, oh, I've been busy at work, or I've been meaning to come, or the kids have been sick. And then you can just say, well, hey, we've got Christmas coming up, we're looking for people to jump in. I really recommend anytime you can create volunteer opportunities for people that come as a unit. So rather than thinking of all of our congregation as individual people with Mm -hmm. individual slots, what can we do for a young woman and and her roommate to serve together? Or what can we do for a mom and two kids or a dad and his teenage son, like figuring out ways when we talk to people individually, you're not just recruiting for your volunteer needs, you're recruiting to engage them with the people they already know. They come pre-assimilated that way. So leveraging Christmas and the fall season to do that is a great tip. And I like that too, because the last thing that you want to, on the one hand, you're trying to create Christmas memories for families. Well, the worst thing you could do then is separate the mom and the dad and the kids when they get here because you blow up their memory. Mm-hmm. And so I think I love that. And the other thing that I think that requires is a lot of times I think our productions, we try to make them too professional. And I don't think at Christmas it has to be professional. So I don't care if it's a 10-year-old girl and her mom and their 13-year-old daughter running the cookie decorating station. It may not look like a professionally decorated cookie, but who cares? <laughs> I mean, so what? And I just think being able to let families do things together, let it be what it is, to, to me – Christmas gives you an opportunity. And even like the kids' choir, who cares if they're off-key and two of them don't sing and they don't know the dance moves and whatever? Who cares? It's just 
awesome to have it all happening together. And then there's some other things that you talked to us about that really helped us about ways that we could, you talked about an invite culture, but what are some ways that we could invite people to come? One of the most effective techniques or uh, strategies has been to use a service card, which is like a little business card that you create. They're not very expensive. They're printed in the size of a business card and they just give the times of your Christmas services or even your weekly services. One side could be Christmas, one side could be your regular weekend services. And it just makes it easy for people to pass out Christmas is a great time to leverage that. It's a tool that really we should be using all year round. But Christmas is great because it's a lot easier to invite people for Christmas. Folks have a lot more opportunity. People are hungry and looking for Christmas services to go to. I know as a mom, I'm giving teacher gifts to all my son's teachers. And so it's easy to stick on a box of cookies or whatever Mm -hmm. I'm handing out to the neighbors. It just becomes an easy kind of pass along way to let people know this is a church I like or if you're looking for a home. And one of the things that we talk about in kind of building this culture of invite is what does it mean when we actually teach culture? So a lot of times culture is caught, and we mm-hmm. say it's caught, more caught than taught. But as leaders, we really have to take the time to be intentional about teaching it. So there's four main things we look at when we're teaching culture. One is we have to give tools that really help emphasize it. So the service card is a tool to do that. Secondly, we have symbols and visuals. So if we set up a table in the lobby where we're handing out service cards and really reminding people, we're communicating to them that this is important. When we make a service and an announcement in our service, to have your invite cards, we're saying this is important. It's a symbol of how prioritized we are making this topic. The third is modeling it. So our campus pastors or senior pastor in their message or an announcement saying, hey, I know I took this and left it with my with my tip at the restaurant last week, or I handed it out to my neighbor, or I was having a conversation with someone who just moved into the neighborhood and wanted to make sure that they get it. So we're modeling what that looks like. Even teaching people about listening for cues in their friends and neighbors. You know, when someone says, you know, I went going Christmas shopping, they're like, oh, what do you guys love to do for Christmas? You know, do you have a church that you like to go to? And then just opening the door and reminding people that this is how we we invite people and modeling that for folks. And then the last is celebrating it. We get what we celebrate. And so pulling people up on the platform and celebrating if they've invited people or uh, many times at our campus when we baptize someone, we'll have the person who invited them to church originally come up and help tell the story about inviting them. And now this person has accepted Christ. Now we're baptizing them. And oh oh my gosh, it just is the full circle of what ministry partnership in a church community and body is supposed to be like. So all four of those things really cement this culture of invite. That's really good. And we've also tried to employ social social media in the last few years. We've done the invite cards. We've also tried to do more social media on Facebook or Instagram, getting people Twitter, getting people to share the invite. Do you have any experience with that when it comes to Christmas? Absolutely. So word of mouth is the best advertisement there is, and everybody's word of mouth is happening on social media now. That's It's not happening over the water cooler. It's not yeah. happening over the backyard fence. It happens on social media. And so we want to equip people just like we do with an actual card. It's mm-hmm. really kind of like a digital service invite card. And so Facebook events is a great place to go because you can put all the actual information people need and then all of your team and congregation can go on there and say, I'm going. They can send it to everyone that they know on Facebook Mm -hmm. or select friends. They can send it with a personal invite. Mm -hmm. What we're really looking to do is equip our people to make the invitation. It if you aren't sort of a professional Christian and you haven't done this for a long time or you don't have real strong gifts of external evangelism, it can be hard to know what to do. And so what we do is lead 
leaders is we sort of go before them and sort of pave the way and make it easy. Make it, yeah. The other thing is to create some easy pictures or kind of what are like memes or little visuals with words Mm -hmm. on it that they can just post on Instagram. So depending on the generation you're equipping, Facebook is a little bit probably more my age, kind of (laughs) middle age world. Instagram's younger or Snapchat. And so just equipping even in your adult services, college ministry, student ministries, all of those kids are doing things online. And so we want to make sure we're giving multiple ways, multiple streams of options of equipping for that. Hey, as we kind of get ready to land the plane here, there's one more thing that you talked to us that really helped us. We talked a little bit about like service times and when are the best times. So like Christmas, the last couple of years has been over the weekend. This year, I think it's on a it's on a Tuesday this year. Can you talk a little bit about strategic use of service times as you see it, even for, for campuses or smaller, medium-sized churches? How could they do that? I think one of the biggest things to remember at Christmas is that we're really trying to serve our context of the mm-hmm. community that we're mm-hmm. in. So depending on the community, you really want to make sure you're offering service times that are going to meet their needs or naturally be in a place that they want to easily say yes to. So if you've got little kids, an earlier service time is almost always going to be a winner. So three o'clock, we're four talking o'clock, Christmas five Eve. o'clock, Christmas Eve services. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry. Because most kids are off. A lot of parents uh, can get off at noon or maybe don't even go or it might take vacation during that time. And so an earlier service lets people come back and have dinner together. They get to do presents, you know, Kids get to sleep at a normal time, you know. Right. Little, you know, kids with young families are going to really be motivated for that. If you have a high Catholic population, that can be a time where people really want an evening service. They have mm-hmm. big family traditions in the evening, big meals, sometimes presents even, and then they go to church to kind of end their evening. They're used to midnight mass. So if you have a high Catholic population, that would be something to at least talk to your congregation about and get a feel. Is that worth having a ten o'clock candlelight service or something that would really minister to those families? If you you are ministering in a low socioeconomic level, the chances are people aren't taking that day off of work. They don't get vacation days on those times. So you want to make sure people can have meals or you might want to have kind of heavier hors d'oeuvres so people can come from work, come and do Christmas with their family and then go home and celebrate it. And so just thinking through who's actually in your congregation, you might be in South Florida where you have all of those people. And so how do you partner even with other campuses to try and partner up and make sure you've got a blend of service time so that everybody's got a place to go in your network? Mm -hmm can invite their friends and family and really kind of have Christmas fall into what they already are doing and have it be a natural flow of what their family does and a part of the traditions they they participate in. So Katie, we're going to put all your suggestions on our show notes, but if you could just narrow it down to like, what are the, the things that you just minimally each church should think about doing for Christmas, what would you say? I think the things that would capture it, if I hadn't really thought about Christmas strategically and I just had a couple ideas, I think definitely using service cards and really training volunteers in your congregation on using that as a tool for evangelism and reminding people this is how people come to Christ Mm -hmm. is by coming to things like Christmas services. I would definitely do the kids choir. It just is a rally point for all your families and just as a great memory maker and interconnectedness on relationships. And I would really leverage volunteer signups to help include and encourage people to participate in ministry that maybe hadn't been a part of and could take a first step in serving. Excellent. Hey, there you go. Those are some great ideas, Katie. Thank you for sharing with us. It meant so much to our team when we heard Katie come and and, uh, coach us up on these things. We're implementing a lot of these ideas and strategies. And I know that you will too. And it doesn't really matter what size your church is or how big your team is or how big your town is. Christmas matters, especially in this country. And you ought to be leveraging it in order to maximize your impact and to reach some people that you're not currently reaching, engage some people that you're not currently engaging. 
hey, this has been Church for the Rest of Us. I want you to go to sharperconference.com, sign up, get registered, bring your team. It doesn't cost a lot. It's a lot of fun. It's one intense day. Katie Cole will be there. I'll be there. Leslie Bennett will be there and our entire Family Church team. We want to connect with you. We want to learn from you. So go back to sharperconference.com and sign up today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.